with the Weather Channel's Jim Cantore, an iconic broadcaster that so many of us have watched over the years on the Weather Channel. And he recounts for us what was his year, his hurricane chasing, his severe weather chasing, and maybe a few snow events in there as well. We recently revisited our 2020 conversation with Jim. There was no year more iconic, more record-breaking, more memorable than that 2020 hurricane season. And as we round out this summer season here on the Carolina Weather Group, let's listen now to part two of our 2020 conversation with the Weather Channel's Jim Cantori. Welcome, everyone, to the Carolina Weather Group. We continue part two with the Weather Channel's Jim Cantori. So I think to talk to you, Jim, and not bring up the famous commercial of uh, you going to the beach and playing beach volleyball <laughs> and going to different places and the crowds run away from you. Okay. And uh, you're, you're, you're like, what? I'm, I'm just here to go to the beach, um, which, you know, is, is an amazing commercial. I think it's, it's a fun kind of yeah, that, that was pretty uh, brilliant. pastime for all of us. So, so kind of in, in the sense of uh, that commercial and kind of how we know you, um, how, are, how are the actual kind of emotions and reactions of communities when you do show up and they do see you? Is, it, is there sometimes some mixed emotions or is it usually kind of just people are excited to be um, meeting you and in, the, in an area that is going to be on TV or, or is it more of a thing where people are kind of a little bit sometimes a little bummed. <laughs> no, I, I, it's both, uh, to be honest with you, Dan. I mean, it's really both because, I mean, you know, obviously during hurricane season when I show up, it, it, it's not going to be good. I mean, the good news with Sally, I'm like, don't worry, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be I'm going to be moving after my shots. We, we've been moving every day, so this is no different. Uh, so until we finally wound up in Pensacola. But, um, you know, some people are still excited to come out. You know, their, their town's getting some attention. You know, I've, I've been doing this a while now, so people have kind of grown up just kind of getting used to, you know, if there's going to be a, a big weather story, you know, Jim, Jim's more than likely going to come to town. So if it create, like I've always said, if it creates the awareness and it has people react in a way that they protect themselves and their family, then great, you know, mission accomplished. So, uh, yeah, I still kind of get both ends of the, uh, the spectrum. I mean, I told That's you great. one time, I can't remember which storm it was, but I think I was going to North Carolina. I mean, this lady literally, she saw me on the plane. She hollered at me. She she told me it was my fault <laughs> in front of everybody on the plane. I was just like, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you, you run the yeah. game. That, that was probably the most extreme right there. And there's whole, uh, I, I, I'm sure you've probably seen them or, or heard it, ran across them, but there's Facebook groups devoted to where's Jim Cantori. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's, uh, there's, it's a, there's a Facebook page, right? That's right. And they no. post pictures of what they think is you, what certain like storm chaser oh, cars or weather yeah. channel cars. And they'll say, he's now been spotted at sunset beach. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, it's got hundreds and thousands of members. So, so uh, for, for the record guys, do you know how many bald, short Italian men exist in this world? <laughs> a lot. And I'm just one of them. <laughs> okay so so yeah i get i get spotted a lot in places i'm like uh, and I, I sometimes i read those in my twitter and i'm just like i'm sitting right here at my house looking at this and so how, where, who is who is playing me or who who do they think is me uh so it's 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 cool i mean in, in a way it's, it's kind of cool because i never in my wildest dreams thought that a guy that just wanted to 
get the forecast right uh, would be, you know, somebody who developed, they developed a Facebook page for. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun when I, when I can play along, I will, but you know, like I said, at the end of the day, if it helps people get ready and, and creates an awareness, then mission accomplished, mission accomplished. All the memes that come out of that, I'll read you one. I sent Oh, you dude, them. the memes. Oh, was, my God. Oh, man. So one that I thought was kind of funny, <laughs> I sent this directly to you because it was right in the middle, right when every, the COVID was just, you know, the, the fear was so high at one point. And I said, if Southerners don't seem too worried about this coronavirus deal, it's because we have been conditioned to believe that we likely don't need to be concerned unless or until this man shows up and has a picture of you. So, I mean, yeah, there, there, there was, they, they seem to get better every year. Um, so it, it's, like I said, it's very, it's very humbling. It's, it's, it's nice to be a meme. Uh, I, I like your attitude. I like your attitude on, on it a lot. I mean, the idea is if you can, if you can bring uh, attention in a positive light to, yeah. to the storm, then, then you're doing a good thing no matter what. And, and that's great. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really weird. Um, you know, Bobby Labonte is a friend of mine. And I remember when he was telling me a story about the ESPYs where he was in the back room with, with uh, Tiger Woods. And he was, you know, they were, they were both just kind of like, are you here for this? Yeah, we're here for this. I mean, they, you know, when you're, you, you don't, you don't really want to be in the line. Sometimes when you're in the limelight, you don't really want to be in the limelight. It's not, it's not what you strive for. It's not, it's not, you don't wake up in the morning and say, oh gosh, you know, what can I do to make myself more in the limelight today? I mean, that's just really not, I mean, you know, Bobby is a fantastic race car driver he was he won a championship that's all he wanted to do tiger is a phenomenal golfer all he wants to do is play excellent golf uh and now as you saw from this weekend his son can play pretty pretty good as well um so I, you know I, it's, it's just I, I think that the true professionals the, the the notoriety that comes along with them is, is just kind of an after effect but i do think you also have to embrace it you can't ignore it you, ha you have to embrace it because um, I'll never forget the time as a kid, I got a chance to meet Reggie Jackson. As you guys know, I'm a huge Yankees fan. And I got a chance to get an autograph from him. I stood in line just like everybody else. They used to have this big thing in Atlanta called the Super Show, which was everything and anything to do with sports. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, Reggie's signing for Upper Deck. I got to go get Reggie. So I had my baseball and I stood in line just like everybody else. So when I finally got up there, which was, you know, probably 45 minutes, um, I was like, oh my gosh, Mr. Jackson, I handed him my baseball and said, Mr. Jackson, what a pleasure to meet you. I mean, you've been my, you know, I've, you've just been my hero. You know, you took the Yankees to a world championship. And he's just, he turns around and looks at his publicist or whatever and goes, hey, how much time we got left here? <laughs> 15 minutes. All right, here you go. And he just, and he handed the ball to me. It was just kind of, um, I don't know. I just kind of left a, a sour taste in my mouth. I just never forgot it. And then I always, and I'm not Reggie Jackson, but, but I, but I, the people that want to meet you and want to come out and, and talk to you, uh, I think you, you, you owe them a little bit of your time because you've been given this gift and it's, it's there to share. And that's really how I feel about it. And, but I'll never forget that experience. And I always go back to it and, and look at, you know, I can't say that Reggie didn't have another thing to do. I can't blame him for that. But I just never forgot that reaction, how disappointed I was. Now, if I'm out to dinner with my girlfriend or if I'm with my kids and we're talking and having a good time, and if you want to come up and 
talk about climate change or, or what we should do about next rad. I'm, I'm like, Hey, can we like save this for another time? You know, pick, pick your times and when you, when you, when you approach people, that would be my best advice uh, to, to other folks out there. But I, you know, I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, I am a true weather geek. I love talking about it. I'll give you my opinion. Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be bad. Sometimes it's going to be right. Sometimes it's going to be wrong, but that's me in a nutshell. Speaking of next rad, could you talk to those folks in Washington and get us a radar in Charlotte? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, look at, if we wait around for phased arrays, um, it's, we're going to have more, we're going to have more tornadoes missed. We're going to have more gaps. Uh, um, they told us not to really talk about this, but you know, now that I'm on with you guys, yeah, we, that, let's fill the holes. Let's fill the gaps long overdue. I mean, we, we got a nice system down now and I know this data needs a lot of maintenance and it's very, very expensive. And if that's the case, then come up with a great, you know, new phased array and let's get that. Let's roll that out. That's just roll out phase array. But until we get there, let's, let's fix the stuff that we got. Um, maybe add a few mobile, mobile radars here and there to fill in the gaps, especially when you're talking about large metropolitan areas and cities. I mean, at this point, the NWS radar, the guys that are operating the radar and, and monitoring the radar, they know where the gaps are. They've been doing it for years. I mean, it's, it's not like they're just coming out with this out of nowhere. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm pro filling the gaps all the way. Do it. It's, it's, it's long overdue, guys. It's long overdue. So I have just one uh, follow-up question here um, about how you deliver your message and the best way you can kind of connect with your viewers and stuff. Um, so really in a perfect world of, of your day-to-day, -day, you know, a uh, big storm comes around or whatnot, would you rather spend more time actually kind of doing on-camera storm action coverage where you're in the heart of the storm or would you rather spend more time kind of um in some instances being from a safe location where you can spend better time broadcasting have clearer messages and and work more on the communication sides um so so studio versus non-studio i think that's what you're you're asking me right in turn i mean i like a mix i've, I've got to have a blend because i'm still I still need, like when I, when I was told I was going to go out to the snow the other day, I was like elated because A, it wasn't a hurricane and B, um, it, it was just, I just love getting out in it because that here you are, you spend all this time looking at model data and this, that, and the other thing and reading this and reading that, but you, you to go out and experience it and then to kind of bring it home to the viewers. I, I just, that, that's the win. That's the, that's the home run. Um, I don't want to live in the field and I don't want to live in the studio. I, I got to have a blend of both and hopefully uh, I'll be able to carry that to the end of the career, but it is getting exhausting out there. I won't lie. When you, when you go through an eye wall guys, and then you got to get up the next morning and do it, you know, kind of tell everybody what happened. It's, it's, it's tiring. I and mean, the, the adrenaline, it, the adrenaline takes you through the event. Uh, and then after that, you know, the tiredness and the lack of adrenaline. I mean, you got to find, you got to find it from somewhere else, but you still got to put together two words in a sentence. So that's how that's going. What's What's going on, Pete? Hey, what's going on, Jim? How you doing? Good, man. So I uh, have to kind of piggyback off of that question. Uh, take us through your work day at the weather channel uh, from when you wake up to when you leave uh, the weather channel for the day. Uh, so AMHQ is the show I'm on seven to 10 in the morning. 
uh, get up about 4.15, come down to this very computer that I'm on, jump on it, see, see what's going on. I, like I said, I, 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 Twitter is nice not only for us to communicate with each other in the enterprise, but also it kind of helps me centra, kind of centrally get my thoughts together. What do I really want to say about this? What do, what do I think about it? Um, and I can put it down right there and go from there, you know, because more than likely I'm going to be talking about one or, or, or more of those things when I get when I get to the weather channel. So, you know, I'll get in about an hour before my show. Uh, I'll slap a little powder on, put my mic on, go meet with my weather producer, uh, talk about any interviews that are coming up with my show producer and boom. Here we go for three hours. Strap in and enjoy the ride, and and be ready for whatever Stephanie has to throw at you because it's usually it's usually something you didn't expect. But it's great. She makes it fun. She makes the whole. She really does. She makes the whole three hours go by. I mean, when when her Jen and I aren't there together, it's 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 definitely different. Uh, and that's not to say other people aren't talented because I mean you know Felicia and Tevin and and Jordan and uh, you know Chris those, those guys are all incredibly talented. But it's just we, we, we've been working together so long now, we kind of got this little routine. We kind of know each other's quirks and things like that. So it's, it, it's, it's very fun. Uh, after the show, we have a meeting at 1030, a call in, kind of talk about the evening show, Mike's Mike show, Bettis' show, and then, and then what's going to happen the next morning, who we may have as guests and things like that. And that is my day. And tell us like behind the scenes, uh, you know, who's in the studio during the show and how many people are, uh, you know, working on the show every day? So, so in the studio, it's either two or three talent. Sometimes they'll have somebody from home, you know, like if, if Steph or Jen are on the road and they just get back, they will have them home for a couple of days. Again, this is all about a part of the COVID thing. Um, it's been weird. I've actually been lucky because when I've come back from the field, it's been a Friday. So I just go into my weekend and I just come back in the studio. I, I think I'm the only guy who doesn't have a home studio. I just said, I said, look, I will come in. I have no problem coming in. They have me uh, in this area where there, nobody's around. I have my own desk. It's so it's away. It's literally yards and yards away from, from anybody else. So I'm nowhere near anybody. And it's literally as soon as you walk in the door. Um, I, there's, there's a couple floor directors, uh, two weather producers, in the studio, but we're all spread apart. I mean, that studio, that studio that we have downstairs that we're doing the immersive reality on is huge. It's, it's kind of like a half a gym. If that makes, if that gives you an idea of the size. So the ceiling wise and width what, so we just have everybody spaced out perfectly. And, you know, a lot of the cameras are run from inside the, the, uh, the, uh, the production booth so they can run those from upstairs with the joystick. So we don't, you know, we don't need people down there moving cameras, even though sometimes you have to move some of the cameras. It's really the, the jib, the jib operator, who's got to move this big jib and this big teleprompter so that we're out on the, the new augmented reality set. Uh, you know, that's got to be there for you. But let me tell you something, guys, as you, as you get older, that prompter doesn't change size. It's still the same old TV, 15 inch TV. So, you know, you're trying to like, why is that thing way, 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 way far away. Why can't I see that? Uh, it doesn't get any easier to read is my point. So um, that's, that's, that's really been the biggest change. A lot, a lot more reading versus just ad lib, especially with video and stuff like that. And you're kind of bridging different things together. That's, that's, that's what it looks like in the studio. It's, it's cool. It's really cool.
I enjoy it. I really do. Guys, it's it's still a thrill to get up in the morning and go to work every day. It is. I, I don't even consider it a job. It's it's still fun. It's still fun to look at the weather and get it right. It really is. That immersive reality technology that you were talking about. I know we discussed it last year, but 12 months later, I'm still fascinated by it as many others are. Tell us about some of the challenges of working with uh, a piece of technology that's Ooh. maybe new. Well, so remember, I just said this is like the size of a, a, a small basketball court um, or half the half a basketball court. So with prompters way over here and monitors way over there that can't get close to you, some of the data on the graphics is really hard to read. <laughs> so if I, so if I'm re so when we walk along and we see those little candlesticks there with the high and the low and the precip, you know, one of them looks like a little crystal ball. Um, so I, I, I can't see those numbers unless I'm looking at a monitor. And sometimes that, that monitor is just far enough away where I can't quite read that number. So if I don't preview those graphics first, it's definitely an oh beep moment out there on the, and sometimes I'll turn the wrong way because you're so far away, you forget which side it's actually on uh, in, the, in the real world. So it, it still takes some getting used to, and I'm, and I'm absolutely not as comfortable as I am with a telestrator and a monitor in front of me or right next to me where I can touch it. So I'm, I'm out in no man's land, really. Well, another one of the neat things you've been a part of at the Weather Channel is the local on the eights. Your voice is on there. Oh, Tell oh, us yeah. a little bit about that process and how cool it oh, is to, to be that person. So local on the eights. Um, oh my gosh, how, how, when did I do that now? Maybe 10 years ago, but it, it took about 18 hours to record all. I mean, you have to record each number. There's different phrases that are coded and so they put those codes together based on the forecast, right? And so partly cloudy will come up with winds increasing to 25 miles per hour. Those are two different things that I would record. I don't record all that in one thing. But so I thought, oh my gosh, so I get a chance to do this now. I'm going to be fancy with it. I'm going to, I'm going to like, if it's 108 degrees, I'm going to like really, it's 108 degrees. Heat index, 108 Wind chill minus 55. So I went through and I did all that. And, you know, that was about three hours worth of recording. And so then they got back to me and said, Jim, you can't really do that. You need to be kind of monotone here because we're going to marry all these different phrases and words and numbers together based on code. And you can't like be way up here and then be, but winds will be calm. Winds are zero to 10 miles an hour. So it, it just won't sound right. So you need to be kind of, so I had to go and record all that again. But so much for so much for trying to be different, right? So that's the story behind your local forecast. Well, and it's, it's crazy, dude, because when I when I here I am with my mask going through an airport, and somebody will look at me and they'll be like, I know who you are. I know who that I recognize that voice, and I know it's from the local forecast. So so not even not even being able to see my face uh, just from the local forecast, I get recognized now. It's great. Well, it sure sounds a lot better than it used to before that. Yeah, well, it's H, you know, it's HD. It's got a little bit more resonance to it, you know, reverb to it. And yeah, it's 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 not the National Weather Service uh, radio, that's for sure. Well, Jim, I had a question about uh, what it's like to do your uh, road trips. You've already talked about this a good bit, and uh, we know that no two uh, road trips are alike for sure. Especially when you're when some are go to go to severe weather events, some go to hurricanes, and some go to winter storms. Right. 
But uh, what is a, a typical road trip like for you? What's the advanced planning like? What's uh, what's Frank, it like to actually thing, cover it? Yeah, the hardest thing for me is that the I, I want the ball when the, when the game's on the line. Okay, so what that means is in the morning before I travel, I, I don't like if we if we have a pending hurricane, I, I don't want to not be on the air. I want to be able to go in there and talk about it. But that becomes a very long day, <laughs> okay? Because yeah. you're up early, you're in doing your thing, and then you've got to go home. You ha either have to pack if you hadn't the night before, and then you know travel to the airport and go through that whole rigmarole, and then get to your location. And like I told you guys earlier about the logistics, you got to make sure all those logistics line up. I mean, if that's going to be your spot that you're going to broadcast from, is your cameraman going to be dry? You know, are you going to be able to be out? in the worst of it without drowning yourself and your vehicles and things like that. All those things come into play. And so now here we are at six o'clock at night after starting at four 15 in the morning without stopping. And it just becomes an incredibly long day. Um, so when it's just a travel day, which is rare, it, it you know, I kind of, it, it's like getting ready for the game. You know, you, you know, you got to pack, you know, you got to have the equipment. Uh, you know, you got to execute when, when you get out there. So you just kind of gradually ramp up, um, and get to your location. And, and there, and there is kind of a, between all of our teams out there, like, okay, who's going to get the best location? Who's going to be able to get the best shot. And so there's a little bit of that, that, that sportsmanship going on out there, but between, between us meteorologists. And I mean, we all want the best shot. We all want, you know, the best TV for people. We don't want to have something happen to anybody or, or happen to us. That's not what I'm saying, but we want to have the, the best looking shot out there. But, it, but you just don't show up and that happens. There's a lot of logistics that go involved in that. You got to talk to the hotel managers. You got to make sure that you can actually broadcast here. Can we open this door during the storm? Can we get this AC power plugged in? Um, you know, th those kind of things. Can we get this room on this side of the hotel? Blah, blah. All, all, all those kind of things come into play. And if you've worked the morning, and it's like, let's say it's a Thursday and you've been doing this all week. You're pretty tired by the time you roll into Friday and you know you're going to work the weekend because that's when, you know, the storm's coming in. So it's, it, it, you know, you, you can, you, let's see what, I think I pulled 14 days, 14 days was the longest stretch, 14 or 15 days this year. It was a long stretch. And how much downtime do you need to rest after something like that? <laughs> well, that depends on, uh, on who's, who's out and who's not. I mean, we're, we're, pretty much running a lean mean fighting machine right now um and if somebody's got they, they do a great job of honoring pto and, and vacation time here and if somebody's off sometimes i gotta come back the next day you know um and it's tough that, that, that sometimes winds up being the toughest day of all is the day you got to come back in studio the adrenaline's gone you you you, you still have memories of what just happened and, that, and the hardship out there that was that was produced by a hurricane or, or, or a tornado. And you gotta, you gotta find, find a way, man. You gotta find a way to, to ramp it up, you know, because as, as Al Roker always tells everybody, he goes, the worst thing in TV you could ever do is be boring. That's the worst thing you can ever do on right. TV is be boring. Absolutely. Your passion He's has right. to come out no matter what. Yep. So uh, Jim, you started at the weather channel right out of school. Um, so tell us how you got the job and talk about the uh, demo tape you sent in. Well, I never even sent it in. Oh. 
So that, that, that's the, that's the, I never applied to the weather channel. The guy who was in charge at the time, his name's Ray Ban. Um, a friend of his apparently was doing a research project. They were researching where broadcast meteorologists were coming from. So there was a whole bunch of schools with this big reel of all these different broadcast meteorologists. So Linden and Penn State and Florida State and Mississippi State. And I was on that reel for whatever reason. And so Ray was what I, I guess he was watching that tape or he got a hold of that tape and he said, Oh, this guy looks interesting, you know, and that and they contacted me. They got a hold of me that way. And I was up, like I said, it was July, I was painting the building i was up on the scaffolding and my brother hollers up he goes hey the weather channel wants to interview you you got to go home and call them i'm like oh wow that's cool because we had just gotten them on uh cable in white river junction vermont back back in 86 so i remember seeing gay dawson and bill schubert and bill Keneally and mark mancuso and john hope and will annan and all those guys and bruce edwards so it was interesting because I went down there for an interview and, you know, a couple of them were there. I got to meet a couple of them. And I was a, I was a little bit starstruck, frankly, because I had been watching these guys on, on TV, you know, and they're they're doing what I want to do. So um, we had a, I had a great interview with Ray and I had no idea what was going to happen. Got got back and a couple of days later, he called and he says, you got the job. You got the job. When, when can you start? Can you be down here in a week? And I said, yeah. Yeah. I drive driving to Vermont to Atlanta, no air conditioning. It was a little Mercury Capri with a with a T top, and like an idiot, I go down there during the worst heat wave in North Carolina that year. It's 106 degrees. I'm I'm just like ready to faint. I couldn't drink enough Gatorade. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. Instead of driving at night, like I should have done, right? Hello. Uh, anyway, so I, I got my first experience with Southern heat and. I couldn't I, for, really for the first four years down there. I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't stand this heat and humidity. I, I was sweating when I got out of the shower. I mean, it was awful. It was awful. So finally, I just, I, I got acclimated about seven years in playing softball, just the, the honeysuckle of the Southern nights, the humidity. So I really started falling in love with it. Now at you know, at 56, uh, I'm, I'm too cold. It's too cold outside for me in Georgia right now. So I'm, re I'm ready for Florida, South Florida. Speaking of that, what's left? Well, I mean, what's, what's left for you to do or you want to do before you retire? I mean, uh, it's been a, oh, a great weather career at the Weather Channel, but uh, anything left on the bucket list that you've not been able to see yes. yet? Yes, there is. I've never done a blizzard in North Dakota. I've got to do one. I, that's the only state I haven't been in for something for the Weather Channel. So I've got to do a blizzard in North Dakota. Uh, I would love to do a Westpac typhoon. Okay, I really would. I would love to do one. Maybe do a, what was a hurricane in the Atlantic ramming into the UK or, you know, or, or Ireland or something like that. I mean, that would be just to kind of experience weather in different parts of the world. Antarctica, you know, this, this iceberg that's supposed to crash into the island down there. Uh, how cool would that be to broadcast live on, on, on that iceberg? How, right? It's the size of Puerto Rico and it's shaped like Jamaica or something. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Th th just those kind of things. I, I mean, I, I like voicing over storm stories, but I liked doing Cantori stories better. I mean, this is really a, I mean, I've been blessed, man. I got to see a lot of the world. I got to work with 
with NBC Sports during the Olympics. Uh, I mean, you know, I got to work out with Al Michaels, who also always called me Dr. Doom. I mean, it, it, it was just really cool. I've just had some really cool experiences. But but honestly, I, I'd like to, my goal, my goal, God willing, is I can get 40 years in broadcasting and, and that's that's OK. Maybe it, maybe I'll be done after that. So that date would be January, uh, July 15th, 2026. So approaching that, you know, we're almost five years. Uh, we had a colleague of yours on Tom Nizzle. Uh, he has a the mountain. News. Yeah, he has a cabin yep. up here on Rome Mountain. So we yep. we talked to Tom a lot. So what 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 does retirement look like for you? you going to uh, to move into the mountains? You said South Florida just a little bit ago. What's what's it look like after after TV life? Yeah, I mean, I love the lake. I love the mountains. It's really an extension of the area I grew up. Think about right. It's Southern Appalachia versus Northern Appalachia. So uh, I, I certainly see myself. Uh, and, I, and I'm a small town kid, guys. I'm not a big city kid by any stretch of the imagination. But maybe maybe split where I, where I live in between Florida and North Georgia. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe open a nursery. Maybe open some kind of small business. Um, you know, I love doing landscaping. I, I really do. I, I enjoy yard work. Uh, maybe I won't ten, in five, six, ten years from now. But, but who knows? I honestly, I really don't know where it's going to take me, but you know, getting, I'm going to be getting up at the hours I get up and doing that five days a week. And sometimes, you know, going through the weekends and working 13, 14 straight, it, it, it takes its toll on you. It, it really does. Uh, I'm blessed with a lot of days off as a broadcaster, more than I would think a local market has. So I'm, I'm blessed with that, but it still takes its toll on you, man. It really does. So we'll see. Nothing's in, nothing's in pen right now. Well, as we near the end of this podcast episode, uh, we always kind of want to ask a few little silly questions to finish things up uh, and to keep it light before we call it a night. So first and foremost, we'll pry some information out of you. I know that you guys probably have some fancy uh, weather models and weather model providers at the Weather Channel. But do you have a favorite mainstream weather model site to use? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, first of all, Maui's a genius, sometimes to his own detriment. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I, I love the, 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 his, the two websites he's designed. Um, you know, Levi does a fantastic job with Tropical Tidbits. Uh, I, I don't know the guys that are in charge of Pivotal Weather, but I think they've done a great job. Weather Nerds. Uh, you know, there's, there's just so many, I mean, weather tap, you know, I still go back to weather tap, look at the radar, especially now that they changed the radar site. Um, but anyway, I mean, it, it's still, you know, I, I, WSI energy cast is, is, is still one that we, we we can access too. So there's, there's dude, it's endless. It's, it's it, I have, I have literally 60 tabs open. I'm on t 60 tabs. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I totally get that. I think, um, you know, I think I have probably somewhere around there, 60 to 80 bookmarks, just, you know, to, so I'm not alone here. Good. Oh, thank you. No, 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 no. And you're not alone by any means. And especially when you have hurricane updates, when we all know the madness of how often those models update. So which site you're going to is really important. So yeah, they're lined yeah, up across the top. They're just There's lined that. up endless, endless. 
I guess I'll take the second one here in favorite weather apps. Do you have any favorites? I mean, I know all of us use radar scope. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But is, is that your favorite one? That, that's yeah. That's my go-to. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when, when everything's on the line or um, if you want to see a, a, a storm that's gone tornado worn for yourself and make your own opinion on it, uh, it, it it's definitely radar scope. They, they, I actually wish I bought that company back when it was for sale. Cause they're, I mean, Oh my gosh, they're just doing, just doing great things. It's just consistent. It's always there for you. They're always upgrading it, always doing tweaks to it. There's different levels that you can obviously purchase um, different subscriptions and things like that. So uh, that, that is my absolute go-to. I love storm, you know, that that's a good one. Uh, anything that puts down, the center point of the cone with the cities on it uh, I'm in favor of because then I get to see, you know, where, if I'm out in the field and I'm not sitting by a computer, I can get a quick look at, okay, well, where they move, how do they move the cone with this advice with the 11 o'clock or the five o'clock advisory, whatever. And, and I can get an idea of, of where I may need to position myself um, down the road in the eye wall. Just what about weather movies? The good, the bad, the ugly in the weather movie uh, industry. I and mean, there's probably more bad and ugly than good, but what are your favorites and least favorites? For weather movie, I am still, my favorite tornado is still the Wizard of Oz. I won't lie. I just. Okay. To be able to create that hokey as it was back in the 30s, 1930s, and, and have it look, you know, like a roping out tornado in the, in the, in the plains, is, it was just amazing to me. Um, I, I feel the same way about that. I mean, it, it seemed like you look back and you're talking 1930s, you know, film industry. And you're like, man, they did a, they actually did right? a pretty good job on that. It, right. I mean, it's, if they did one thing really that kind of, you know, got, gave you some goosebumps, right. You know, when you were a kid watching that, I mean, that was like, that was pretty intense. I remember I, I met Bill Paxton when he did the first Twister because they premiered it in Atlanta. And I remember seeing him again at a Kentucky Derby that I was doing for the for NBC Sports, and he was telling me that he he you know they were talking about a Twister too. Now, granted, he's not around to do it, um, which is incredibly sad. And he you know he was a huge he was the, he was the movie in my opinion, but that's just me. I, you know, would, would I like to see another Twister out there? Sure. Because when you think of how many young people it influenced um, to get into our enterprise and, and maybe have a better understanding for what we do or look into what we do, I, I don't think you can lose from that. Um, so I, I, I'd love to see another twister. I agree. I don't think Sharknado cuts that. No, I didn't bring that up. I, you know, I'm, I'm always a glass half full kind of guy. I didn't want to, didn't want to bash anybody, but that was, that was a little ridiculous. Well, this last question, and promise it's not loaded. Um, do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> I'm not going to put my career in jeopardy on this answer. Right. <laughs> exactly. Good. Do you listen to podcasts? And if you do, do you have a weather podcast that you enjoy listening to? You know, Marshall does some good stuff uh, with, with our Weather Geeks podcast, and occasionally I'll, I'll listen to to his stuff. Of course, you guys, come on, you're killing it right now. <laughs> Jennifer Watson and, you know, occasionally, you know, she'll, she'll jump into a weather podcast as well. Weather brains has always been, been great. And I know it's nice when you know the people that you're talking to a little bit. So you kind of know what, what to expect. Uh, guys, honestly, anytime that we can educate people that are either interested in meteorology or even our own 
you know, our own people that we, you know, people probably didn't know the Reggie Jackson story before I brought it up tonight. Uh, and whether that furthers your weather education or not, uh, no, but it's just something, you know, if you've been watching me for a good chunk of my years, you, you know what is behind me when people come up to me in the field, you know, kind of how I react now. So, yeah, I mean, and it, I think it's, I think it's good for the enterprise. It's just all good. It's good to talk about things. And you know what? Sometimes subjects aren't great. You know, the radar things is a touchy subject, right? I mean, but we got to talk about it because radar save lives. Early warning save lives. We know that. So yeah. it is. It's definitely another fun topic just because uh, I think I can only speak to Evan and Peter, at least on our panel right here. We are avid TikTok followers, and I've seen you appear in a few TikToks with Stephanie. A. That's all Stephanie. <laughs> That's all Stephanie. Trust me. That's uh, and it, it's funny. She goes, she goes, Cantor, just do this with me. Come on, just do it. And, and Steph just has a way to kind of um, beg you to to, uh, to do do what she asks you, do what she wants you to do. So, so you did. And I'm like, you know what? Why not? I mean, what, it's just like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't want to be a a total bore. So I'll so I'll jump in and usually make a fool out of myself. But you know what? I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay. I can still sleep at night and it's all good. So. <laughs> all right. Well, my last question for you and let's take weather out of it. Uh, Cause I know you've made many trips to North and South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, top five destinations to visit in the Carolinas. I mean, I know you've been in the Carolinas Ooh. covering winter weather, tropical weather, but if you're just coming on vacation to North and South Carolina, what'd be your top five spots to visit? Oh man. Um, well, I love, first of all, Greenville. Greenville is my number one. I mean, what they've. It's a oh, hidden gem. Nobody somebody, knows about it. If I had to retire in Greenville, I would do it. Yes. Okay. Greenville, South Carolina. Love it. Absolutely, absolutely love everything about that city. I got a lot of good friends up there too. So their, their euphoria festival they do every year is second to none. Uh, but behind that is Charleston. I, I love Charleston. It's the charm of that city, just being down in there, being in the thick of it, the history, the weather history. I mean, everything. It's, it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, Wilmington. I've seen them get the crap kicked out of them and come back and be this wonderful, wonderful town. I love Asheville. Uh, you know, the Grove Park Inn. I've, I've been there for the gingerbread uh, contest. I mean, that is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful historic, again, historic place. Uh, the Biltmore, obviously, up there. I mean, holy cow. Um, gosh, where else have I been in, in the Carolina? You know, I, I think it was Winston-Salem. Um, maybe, or was it Hickory? I can't remember. I got a friend, I got a friend that I went, it, it, they, they had just like refurbished the downtown. I can't remember which, which one it was in, which one I was in, but I thought that was a pretty cool place. I live close to Hickory and it's recently been okay. done. So, so there it was Hickory. Yeah. Where did this come from? <laughs> Where did this come from? All right. Who's, who did I offend on this answer? No, I, you didn't offend I, anybody. You get you get your martial arts training here in Charleston. We all know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you did great. I, I'm in agreement with you on Charleston. It's my my favorite place to go. Oh, it's beautiful. And Greenville, Kay loves it too, right? 
<laughs> Green, yeah, Greenville's, Greenville's number one, sucks. Charleston's number two. It really is that just like that. I uh, tell people, I say gr- downtown Greenville is the most underrated place to visit. It, it's just, it's a beautiful spot. Not a lot of people go. I mean, you can go out on a nice Friday or Saturday night and go eat dinner, welcome the river. It's a beautiful spot. I, like I said, if I if I could, li- if somebody said, "All right, Jim, you have to leave Atlanta, you have to go somewhere else." Um, where would where would it be? Uh, it would be Greenville, South Carolina. I know. Uh, I know our buddy Wes Grimes, who actually submitted a question earlier. He uh, he loved when you visited Boone uh, a couple of years ago during the big snowstorm. And, and oh my god, that, that was awesome! I know Boone loves you, so if you ever make it back up there, I know you'll have a lot of a lot of folks and friends up in the Boone areas. So. Uh, by the way, the Boone stick is still around. <laughs> Apparently, it's in my producer's uh, Steve Pederak's office. And I'm like, dude, you got to bring the Boone stick back out. <laughs> I've never pushed so many cars out of the snow in my entire life than in Boone, North Carolina. Well, I will tell you this from a guy, Evan and myself living in Western North Carolina, we definitely hope we can copy that sometime soon because we're in our snow drought. That was the last time we had measurable snow here outside of the mountains was uh, that storm That's, a couple of years ago. It's going to be tough with La Nina, um, but we'll see, especially yeah. strong. If we got a strong La Nina, yeah, but I'm it's going to be, it's an active pattern, dude. And we got the negative NAO. So you may get a little bonus out of that. We'll, we'll see. I'm afraid more ice than anything. That's well, that's my concern this year. Yeah, that's that's the bottles keep head faking though. They keep wanting to bring the AO back positive again, but it keeps not happening. And again, well, we all know how those forecasts go sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> we've all we've all been disappointed a few times. Look at that, look at that NAO. It's gonna go so negative. Uh anyway, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, Jim, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh we want to wish you a merry very Merry Christmas and a, a happy new year and for those uh, who are listening to the podcast, I'm sure they're probably following you on Twitter, or on social media, but if they can't, or if they're not, how can they do that? So at Jim Cantori um, is my Twitter. I, I don't do Facebook, but my tweets go to Facebook. Um, at Instagram, you know, at Jim Cantori on Instagram. Uh, that's, that's, that's more of my personal life than sometimes I'll throw some weather on there. I have been lately, but that, that's personal Instagram and, and weather is, is mostly Twitter. And that's me, man. We appreciate your time. And thank you guys for watching tonight. We, uh, We hope you have a great evening. And we'll see you back soon here on the Carolina Weather Group. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me.